0: faithwire.com. Elon Musk may get Twitter after all. What does it mean for the discourse in America and more? Today is Monday, April 23rd, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd love to have you with us as we go through the news of the day with a Christian perspective. Joining me today, as always, Trey Goins-Phillips. Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire with a quick look at what's coming up on the
1: podcast today. What's going on today, guys? Happy Monday! Hello. Happy Monday! Living the dream, as always.
2: We just—it seems like we just got to the weekend, and now we're we're starting all over again. But I guess you know it's better than the alternative. I'd yes. um, rather. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be talking about uh, Chris Pratt. He seems to just like cycle through Uh-oh. the news every once in a while, uh, and now there are calls for him to be replaced on an upcoming marvel movie mainly Mm. because he's a christian
0: right it's like people love him like we love chris pratt and then they get room oh that's right he's a christian we better yell about him for five minutes this seems to be the the cycle of chris pratt
1: the cycle of chris pratt that's what we will that's what we will call it um all right we are also going to talk about euphoria which critics are warning is quote more deranged than before in season two and so we'll get into what parents need to know about that series
0: all right Looking forward to those stories. We're going to start here with uh, Elon Musk's attempt to buy Twitter, which has been all the talk on social media. People wondering if it's just a ruse, what's going to happen. But Twitter is said to now be nearing a deal to actually sell itself to Elon Musk. This is according to the New York Times and other outlets. And this is not just less than two weeks after Musk, had kind of offered to just buy the country in a deal that was valued at more than $41 billion. There were some concerns that people were bringing up that could he actually raise this money or not. And it became clear that he had lined up $46.5 billion in financing to acquire the company. And now the reports are that a deal is imminent after we heard those news. And so they said it could be finalized as soon as today. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. Twitter has not publicly spoken about those, uh, reports as of this, this, taping of this podcast today, but Twitter's board, they were busy over the weekend. They met yesterday to take a look at the offer from Musk. And it's currently at about $54 and 20 cents per share. And this is according to sources about the deal. And that would put it way above uh, market value for the company. And so any sane businessman or woman would certainly give it a look. And that seems to be what Twitter executives are doing right now. The potential sale agreement caps off a crazy news cycle that began just, just a few weeks ago, less than a month ago when reports were leaked out that all of a sudden Elon Musk was the biggest shareholder of Twitter with 9% stake in the company. And he was tweeting and, um, causing lots of a causing a big stir about all the things wrong with Twitter and how he would want to see things change and um you know all of that and so he was creating this firestorm it was it was a cycle that was just repeating and going around and now it's come to this where they're actually looking like they might sell to Elon Musk and the interesting thing guys is the reaction is there's kind of this ironic concern You see this line being parroted a lot. It's the concern of a, quote, billionaire owning one of the world's most influential social media platforms. But the tone was much different in 2013 when Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post for $250 million of his own dollars. Most of the headlines back then were sort of benign. They centered around Bezos being a, quote, proven technology genius, end quote. Carl Bernstein, who, of course... Claimed fame with the Watergate scandal reporting that brought down President Nixon back in the 70s. Um, He said, quote, Jeff Bezos seems to me exactly the kind of inventive and innovative choice needed to bring about a recommitment to great journalism. Uh, Then there were anonymous sources that spoke out at the time saying at this stage, people are pretty optimistic, but no one really knows that much about why he's doing this. That, that anonymous source went on to say, we hope he is civic-minded and will give us the resources to perform our democratic role, but that is a starry-eyed vision, and he could equally be buying the paper as a vanity project. We just don't know. So that was about as sharp a criticism as you got it in, back in 2013 when one billionaire bought a massive newspaper, and now that Musk is doing it, there's all these criticisms out there about, oh, we can't have billionaires just trolling and buying all of these social media outlets. But the only thing we do know about his motive, guys, is that he's complained that there's not enough free speech on these social media platforms. He complains about these people being deplatformed. He's joked in his own tweets about uh, when he made fun of... uh, It's kind of an X-rated tweet, so I'm not going to say what he said. He, over the weekend, was joking about um, Bill Gates and how he shorted Tesla as he really, for climate change, he still had a short on Tesla. And he wrote... The shadow ban now is yeah, because he basically said he was, it's a joke about being pregnant. Um, and it's like men can get pregnant, kind of that that sort of thinking. And he wrote, Elon did, shadow ban council reviewing the tweet. So he's making fun of the shadow ban council. So that's all we know of Elon. You know, take it for what it is. But the motive that we can see is that he cares about free speech and people being allowed to share their thoughts on it. And so why would people be so afraid of that? So there you have it, guys. That is the saga right now where it stands with Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter. And why does it matter? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, there's been a chill on free speech. I think people are very concerned when everything from the fact checkers to the social media gatekeepers to the algorithms to the power players in charge, most of them seem to have a far left progressive bent. And it's always accidentally or not accidentally that it's conservatives and Christians being banned And so it matters because as one side is increasingly getting shut out of the debate, this could be kind of a reversal of that.
1: Could it really be worse than what it's been? And I think that's what we've been saying about this. I think the people what's so interesting is to watch people say they're going to quit. You know, we're going (laughs) to quit Twitter if he buys it. It's like, well. I don't understand how it affects you to that visceral level that you have to quit and walk away (laughs) from the social platform. And and if it hasn't annoyed you enough to do that already with the crazy stuff that's happened, I'm questioning what's really going on (laughs) in your mind. Well, there's concern. There's concern that that he's not going to regulate. People want problematic, and putting this in quotes, speech, regulated. They don't want terrorists to be able to come on and say things. They don't want, you know, these now... There's a way to to restrict those things and not allow them, while also allowing free speech. It would seem.
2: Yeah, it's a I, it just seems to me a, a bizarre case that everybody's getting angry and up in arms about a a really rich person buying Twitter. It's like all of these companies are owned and founded and traded by really rich people. It just happens that you don't like the political opinions of this really rich person. Uh, So I think that more often than not, that's what we're actually talking about is you don't like his perspective. You don't have any issue with the fact that he's a billionaire. You only start to have an issue with a person being really wealthy when their opinion is uh, different than your own. That's like, a perfect example dan that you gave which is jeff bezos and so nobody really cared at all uh because he's more leftist so nobody really cared about the financial aspect of it but then when when elon musk and he's you know claiming to be pro free speech comes in uh now the target is he's too wealthy and really wealthy people shouldn't be buying this and trading this so that's strong
0: yeah now a hundred percent and um it, it is It's comical because it's so evident. And it's not even like Elon Musk is some right wing, you know, firebrand. The guy, yeah, no, barely speaks a couple of right leaning views. And it's suddenly we've got to shut him down. Joe Rogan, same thing. That guy's not a right wing dude, he's not conservative by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, you can't even partially agree with uh, conservatives these days without the calls for you to be shut down. So,
2: yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, story number two. So critics are calling on Marvel, uh, which is owned by Disney. The Mar- Well, not Marvel, but Marvel Cinematic Universe is owned by Disney. Uh, they are calling on uh, Disney Marvel to replace Chris Pratt, uh, apparently over his christian faith uh though they're not coming out and just you know saying that directly so we'll get into the details here so uh, the criticism of pratt has continued uh, over the last few years like we were saying at the start of the podcast it seems to be on and off and it just cycles through uh but all of it right now is centered on the release of a trailer for another mcu movie thor love and thunder uh so this all stems from a brief clip uh, in the minute and a half a trailer. So there's a moment when Star-Lord, which is played by Chris Pratt, uh, gives his team a pep talk, encouraging them to, quote, look into the eyes of the people that you love whenever they feel uh, that they've lost their way. Uh, after that comment, Thor, who's played by Chris Hemsworth, stares intently into Star-Lord's eyes. And it's kind of a, a funny clip that zooms in. It's just awkward for a couple seconds. Uh, and then Star-Lord's like, not me. Uh, So that clip prompted many on social media uh, to recall that Star-Lord, whose character's name is Peter Quill, again played by Pratt, uh, was depicted as bisexual in a 2020 installment of the Guardians of the Galaxy comic book. Uh, So everything that came after that, though, has been completely based on speculation, all seemingly stemming from the fact that Chris Pratt is a Christian and now, like I said, there are calls for him to be pulled from MCU movies because uh, people are saying that uh, Chris Pratt, in their minds, would never, ever, ever uh, be okay with being in a movie uh, that had a bisexual character or an LGBTQ character in any way uh, because of his perceived views of sexuality, which he has never, ever addressed. Uh, So in 2019. Uh, Ellen Page, who's now transgender and identifies as a male and goes by the name Elliot, uh, condemned Pratt for attending Zoe Church in Los Angeles. Uh, The church's lead pastor, uh, Chad Veach, teaches a biblical view of sexuality. uh, And as a result, Page sought to sideline Pratt, to cancel Pratt, uh, for going to worship services at what she called an infamously anti-LGBTQ church. Uh, at the time, Pratt just replied and said, I go to a church that opens their doors to absolutely everyone. He did not address his personal views of sexuality. He d- has never even actually addressed his political views, though everybody assumes he's conservative because he's Christian. And everybody assumes he's uh, vociferously condemned, uh, would vociferously condemn anybody who's gay uh, because he is a Christian, though he's never once talked about that either. Uh, So the condemnation of Pratt seems entirely based on conjecture uh, for simply no other reason than the fact, apparently, uh, that he's a Christian and has talked about being a Christian and and going to church, has been open about his conversion to Christianity. So because of that, everything else has just been assumptions made about him. So this issue, like we said, rears its head every once in a while. I think why it matters, guys, is because, uh, like I said, the only apparent reason for the condemnation of Pratt is solely because he's a Christian. That's mm. the real issue here. It's not that he, you know, is is not the best actor or is a good actor. Uh, it has nothing to do with his craft. All of it is because he's a Christian. Uh, so you know, no one actually knows his views on any of these issues. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he is conservative, there's nothing wrong with that. But no one even knows if he's conservative. (laughs) Uh, Yet people drag his name through the mud. uh, Again, only because he's a Christian, which I think really says more about the culture that we've created than it does about Chris Pratt.
0: Yeah. And and again, it's this instinct to just want to shut down anyone who remotely disagrees with one particular line of thinking. This is what fascinates me about the debate today is... We can talk about all the differences we have, but it is very clear that one side is more willing to pursue a path of shutting down the other side and trying to discredit and say their misinformation, their hate, shut it down. That seems to be the one, a problem more apparent on one side than the other. And this is just another example of that. I mean, you can't, like you said, there's no. I mean, first of all, even if he was any of those things that they're worried about, that's not a grounds for canceling or being shunned from society. But even just the insinuation that, well, he might have some views that disagree with mine. Therefore, we need to get him out of Marvel.
2: I mean, that just, I feel like, sorry to interrupt, but I feel like you're being too kind when you said that he, (laughs) he might have views. They're not saying that he might have views. They're saying he does have views because he's a Christian. They know that he is a bigot and they know that he's homophobic uh, and all that stuff. It's like, like you said, there would be nothing wrong with him having a traditional view of marriage or being conservative, but they just assume completely without any sort of fact or proof.
1: Yeah. No,
0: a hundred percent. But It's
2: not just that they don't, they don't,
1: they don't only assume they, they also say this is not allowed to be here. And this goes right. into the broader problem of if people believe these, we're liberal and we embrace, we're progressive. We embrace everyone unless you disagree with us. And that is a very toxic political position to have. It doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right, it does seem to be infecting, you know, it's, it's a very large virus on one side. It's a small virus on the other, but it's a very big one and it's becoming increasingly problematic because they own everything. When you own yeah. all the information channels and that's how you're going to approach everything, you're essentially preventing people from having any other view whatsoever. It's it's 1984 on steroids now. Mm. It really is.
0: Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, and you look at, it's just such a common pattern. It's if you're, you know, hate groups, the Southern Poverty Law Center labels hate groups. They just lump, they'll put in all these really extreme groups that are actually hate groups. And then they just lump in, a Christian group in there, like, you know, family research council, a hate group. Uh, Why? Well, because they're anti LGBT. And so then that defines you as a hate group, which kind of lumps all of Christianity into a hate group. If you count disagreeing with, you know, same sex marriage as hate, well, then you get lumped in with a hate group and you look at climate deniers. If anybody dares question the current scientific narrative going on about the temperature on the earth or what is it do you know what is actually happening in the globe when it comes to climate change how worried about it should we be if you go against their line you're a climate denier which obviously has uh, echoes of being a holocaust denier like he's putting these horrible things on you and so it's that over and over and over again and it's um like you said it's it's definitely more prevalent on one side than the other so
1: All right. Well, that brings us to our last story, and this one is also disturbing. It's about the HBO show Euphoria and there's a media watchdog warning parents that there's a ramping up of pervasive sex and inappropriate content in the show and what's so crazy is that this is a show that in season one when it came out in 2019 it was already people were already warning parents about it but season two which premiered this past january is apparently even worse now the parents television and media council is a non partisan advocacy group and their whole job is to basically protect kids and families from violence and sex and profanity and media they have been sounding the alarm on this and they've done some assessments of each episode of season two of euphoria and some of the things that they found are let's just say dark and much darker than the first season And I'm going to sort of lead here with the why it matters before we even get into what they found. It matters because this is a show. It's about high school kids, right? It's about young people. And so the assumption is that young people are being targeted in some way, right? That's the audience who watches shows. And and this is something that the head of the parents television council, Tim Winter said, he's like, look, who watches shows about high school kids, high school kids do, right? So it matters because young people are being targeted, but apparently, and this is just a quote. They said, Quote, when the dark, depraved, degenerate, nihilistic program Euphoria first premiered, its creator proudly proclaimed that there are going to be parents who are going to totally... Freak out, basically. And there's an expletive in there. Uh, But basically, this was something they were attempting to do. They were attempting to shock children and to shock young people and to be edgy. And the reason this matters is because the Parents Television Council believes that this is a series that actually poses, quote, an imminent threat to the health and well-being of children. In just the first few episodes of season two, the first few months of season two, they tracked a number of things from language down to nudity. They found 13 instances of sex being shown with nudity, 21 instances of male nudity and 19 moments of female nudity. Uh, there have apparently been 26 instances of illegal drug use and 632 times that the F word has been used, among mm-hmm. other curse words that they track. And so it's an incredibly explicit show. I won't even go on the show here. I won't even go on about what they actually show because there's very specific and graphic things that are shown in this. But the point is that Tim Winter, the head of the PTC, um, he basically said that that he finds it strange, you know, Hollywood's coming off of this time where women were being sexualized and now there's more scenes of men naked in this, in this show. Right. And so he's kind of looking at this and saying, why in the world would you remedy women being sexualized by starting to sexualize men? Why would that be your solution to the problem instead of just not sexualizing anybody, (laughs) which would be the appropriate thing to do. And so he talked about though, and I think this is another extension of the why it matters, right now there's so many streamers, there's so many channels competing that there is a race to the bottom that is really ramped up with content providers trying to kind of rise above the clatter by giving more shocking content. And so that's what we're watching unfold right here, right now with this show, Euphoria. And they've got um, a a bunch of content on their site to sort of educate parents, again, an episodic breakdown of what is in each episode of the show. And they're trying to get parents to sign a petition basically to, to say, look, you need to stop this. This is too much. This show does not need to have this kind of content in it. And you can check that all out over at FaithWire. We've got a link to that. Um, and a link to those resources for parents who are curious.
0: Honestly, this this sort of show, the fact that it's even out there, makes me want to just take my TV, th- pull it off the wall, and just <laughs> throw it into a dumpster. I mean, just the fact that stuff like this is even possible out there, it's terrifying. It really is.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's frustrating that, that, that it seems like there are, like, Ten fires, uh, maybe ten is probably like <laughs> yeah. not not as uh, there needs to be more. It's, yeah. it's more than ten, but it seems like there are at least for the sake of the example, it's like there are ten fires going on at one time. And as, particularly if you, I don't have kids yet, but if you have kids, mm. like you're th- like you, the two of you do obviously, and you're thinking, okay, which which fire do I put out first? The social media fire, the who are they talking to at school fire, yeah. the Disney fire, or, <laughs> or the or the euphoria fire? So it's like. Which you know what am I supposed to focus on so I think Dan probably the moral of the story is throwing the TV out the window is probably not a bad idea it's
0: probably not you know what (laughs) you know what ends up actually being crazy is that I um, uh, I'll end up paying more for example I'm a big Boston Celtics fan they're having a great run right now and so what I've done is and then but you can't watch the games because first of all they start so many of them so late so my boys like basketball and so we're trying to watch them but get starts getting late. They have to go to bed and they get mad because they got to turn. We got to turn off the game. They can't stay up till 11 o'clock or whatever time it's going on till. Um, but the ads are so obnoxious. I mean, it's always the most violent movie trailer or highly sexualized stuff in the commercials. And so I can't, you know, we've trained our kids like, oh, guys, here's a you got to turn your eyes away. So they're pretty good about it. But, you know, they're not always going to turn away. But um, it's just ridiculous. So what I've done is I've just bought the League Pass thing for, you know, 100 bucks or whatever it was and I and then I can just watch the games on I wait until they've gone for a while and then I just fast forward through all the commercials. So I mean, I'm glad that technology exists so that we can it can be slightly less insufferable, but it it's amazing to me the level the, the, what those ads are. I mean, it's like they're not even trying to go for families anymore. They're just like, "Ah, forget that." So craziness out there. You're right. Lots of fires. Yeah.
1: No, it's bad. It's bad. It (laughs) is bad. And and it's not just the TV that you got to throw out the tablet. You got to throw out the phone. (laughs) And the the connection that we have to all this stuff is pervasive. It is. All right.
0: That is all the time we have for today's podcast. As always, head on over to CBNnews.com and Faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. You're not going to get that on many of the other outlets really anywhere. So may as well head on over here get your fix so god bless we will see you back here tomorrow lord willing and the creek don't rise